my uh, friend, uh, uh, Reverend, soon-to-be, Dr. Nathan Hill, uh, senior pastor at the University Christian Church here in Hyattsville, Maryland. And uh, we just watched uh, a video that, that you uh, also had the opportunity to see, uh, which was the video uh, of, of Ray Charles uh, performing uh, America, uh, the beautiful. And as we were sh sharing in our previous conversation uh, about those instances where uh, we felt that perhaps in our lives there were those moments that when, when we recognized how America, the beautiful, may not have seen quite that way. Mm. Uh, but to see uh, someone who uh, was uh, 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 grew up uh, from an early time in his childhood, Ray Charles did, uh, 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 with uh, a challenge uh, that he, he no longer had his sight, uh, a challenge of, grow, of growing up, uh, at least initially, as uh, uh, a young uh, black child, in, uh, in Georgia, in the South, uh, and yet he gains this dynamic stature mm. as an artist, a vocal mm. artist, mm. a musician, uh, a star. Mm. Uh, how did it, what, what resonated with you when you were listening to Ray Charles as he sang America the Beautiful at uh, the, uh, the All-Star Game of uh, National League Baseball? Mm, yeah, and no, I, yeah. uh, what a, what an artist, what a voice. It's just he he's iconic. You know, it's something about it that uh, it, it just then seeing the images of that of all those people gathered there. I, I I think as we were listening to it, I just realized too again again like I want to belong to something. Like I I like to belong. I like to feel like I belong to something. I feel like a part of something bigger. One of the reasons why I like church, even if the church sometimes is, met, is a mess, yeah. um, it's, yeah. it's a mess, it's yeah. hard to be church yeah. a lot of times, but there are moments. Careful though, we're still Yeah, we're still, okay, yeah, uh, sorry, we can cut that, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, we, but there are also moments of being, being a part of church is really, really good. And we, we share the love, we experience the love, we experience victories, hope, we find strength together. And yeah. even on a national level, as, as we think about America, you know, and we see the camera panning and we see political and powerful people and country singers and movie stars. And, you know, there, there is a sense of like, wow. Yeah, the late Senator McCain was, uh, was right. there. Yeah. Billy Crystal. And, yeah. Yeah, it's just there's something about like, I want to belong feeling patriotism it makes me feel like I belong like I'm 
And I, I want to believe in the best of this country. I want to believe this country is beautiful. Yeah. And at the same time, I know even as that was being sung, I'm sure, uh, at that time, there was still a lot of division, that there's still in this moment what feels so unifying through America's pastime. Um, people were struggling for freedom. Yeah. There were people suffering. Uh, there, there was oppression in our midst. Uh, so, oh, I, you know, I wish, I, I want to believe, I just want to, to believe in the fairy tale that it's all perfect. Uh, so, so you said fairy tale, hmm. which, which means that you are obviously aware that there is uh, an actual reality in, yeah. in which we yeah. live. Yeah. Um, there, there's a story that I, I remember because one of the things that Nathan and I, we talked about is in, in culture in, in this country and probably others as well, but the sense of how uh, that stadium was filled with, with, with all sorts of people who could appreciate the music of Ray Charles, but didn't love the people of Ray Charles. Mm. You know, um, just earlier today, uh, this is uh, uh, the day when, uh, uh, or, or yesterday was the day that it was the, the hope that the uh, the bill, you know, that that uh, would recognize uh, George Floyd and uh, a, a new day in terms of policing in this country, but it, it did not happen. And so his brother stood out, I think, at, at, on the lawn of, of, the, of the White House. And uh, when they asked about the meeting that the members of George Floyd's family had had with the president, uh, President uh, uh, Joe Biden, and he, he said, this brother uh, of, jo of George Floyd said uh, that in this country, we could have a uh, policy to protect the bald eagle. But why not policies that pr pr protect uh, mm. people? Mm. And especially people of color. Mm. Mm. And it's this sense that uh, there, I, I, I can't remember a time or having read about a time in, in the history of this country where people of color uh, have not been appreciated for their music, their dance, mm. their, 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 their acting, uh, or whatever. But policy-wise, it has always been that my people and others have been considered as something uh, less. Mm. And I remember reading about uh, the the musician Louis Armstrong, who's one of my favorites. And Louis Armstrong had traveled over to Germany uh, because the in 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 uh, at that time there would be uh, uh, a, a great acceptance for him and, and his music there. But uh, his agent, Louis, Louis Armstrong's agent, uh, had received a, a, a tax bill for Louis' uh, performance over in Germany. 
And what was said, he, he wanted to find out what was that about. And he said, well, when Louis Armstrong was on stage and he was performing, he would also turn flips on stage. And so they said, well, if it, if it doesn't move, it's art. But if it moves, meaning Armstrong turning flips mm, on stage, mm, mm, it's entertainment. Mm, mm, so there was an entertainment tax. Mm. Um, now, how much that reflects on culture, we won't know, but that, well, was, a, that was a part of the story. So Nathan, you, you talked about the church, and, and so we want to spend a, 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 bit, a little bit more of our time. And, and my friend Nathan, uh, as he mentioned, uh, there's a class that he's going to be attending, and so uh, we're really borrowing on borrowed time with, with Nathan right now. But why did you choose, of all the pathways, in order to try and achieve this kind of goodness uh, that you were conscious of in your childhood, why did you choose this pathway, pathway of ministry and pastoral ministry, uh, to pursue that goodness? It's a great question. And you know, I will say that you know, I had that experience I shared in our last session about speaking with an elder leader of the church about, you know, why aren't we as a church reaching out to our diverse neighborhood or community? And well, they have their churches, we have our churches. I had that, that uh, kind of experience. And in that moment, with the dissonance of hearing love your neighbor as yourself and then hearing that message, you're not really decided in that moment. And I think I was in early high school then that yeah. really church was fine but I was ready to explore. I was ready maybe to go, go on to college and just um, figure something else out in my life. But, but way before that, you know, throughout when I was younger, I had spiritual experiences. I think that felt like God's affirming presence with me in moments in my life that I couldn't really explain. I never had the language to explain them. Um, my, my home church wasn't a uh, charismatic church or anything like that, which might have had some language to explain these kinds of experiences, but we were more, you know, pretty pretty chill and low-key kind of a thing. But so I went to college and, um, and I, you know, I had had this plan to really just go and do my own thing, but I quickly became involved in a campus ministry, an ecumenical campus ministry, similar to Arise, for those of you who know Arise, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, we um, do. Yeah. yeah. And my sister had a great experience, and and you know, and and so when I got invited to come hang out with them, I was like, okay. And it was a very diverse student group there. Uh, made a lot of friends, uh, lifelong friends through that experience, but also quickly began to get experience to other voices. I, I was ready to leave sort of small town Christianity, that well, from what I experienced behind and experience something else, but. We went within that first year and a half, year, year and a half, we went on a trip. We did a mission trip to Mexico and with, the, with the, an engagement with the Tahuman, Tahumaran Indians in the Copper Canyon area of, of northern Mexico, which was just a wonderful cross-cultural learning experience. But also got to go to a conference and hear people like Desmond Tutu speak. Wow. And, and what was that like? Oh, it was it was it, it was tremendous. It was um, his enthusiasm, his joy, and his conviction that that faith has something relevant to say to the to the struggles that we face. That that 
Christ matters, that that Christ's word is not just about a personal piety, about praying and going to church and tithing your money, but it is about engaging in the world in a particular way for a particular vision of God's community, God's reign to take forward. And, and so that so as as a young white kid listening to Desmond Tutu. It was one of those experiences. Oh my gosh. How did that shape you yeah and shape the way that you would you would eventually choose your life partner and begin to raise the beautiful kids that you have yeah it, it hooked me it hooked me into an exp- a, a bigger vision of of what god was up to in the world you know i, I was really had been immersed in that more bible built small town cultural life and um and to begin to see that there were other things and i don't remember all the other speakers at that that weekend it was mostly college students there it was in Asheville, north carolina um yeah really, really, yeah really it's a beautiful, beautiful country place. yeah yes, and it, it showed while like mountains oh my gosh uh yeah like it, and, and so then going to classes where you begin to learn about other issues of hunger and workshops and things hunger and food and justice uh work um, as well as being with the great community of friends, uh, uh, to, to be dialogue partners, very diverse, who challenged us, challenged me. Yeah, it, it, it just opened my eyes and my possibility, again, to see God as a central actor in my life. Before that, I, my plan was, I, I do have a bachelor's degree in computer science, and I wanted to go work in Silicon Valley for Apple. So you were geek? Yeah, and make a lot of money. I wanted to make a lot of money, have a big house. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're told, right? Yeah, that's what. Well, yeah, that's what we're told. And then uh, to begin to discover through that experience, and then others that would come. Yeah. Um, through this campus ministry experience through college, learning that my passion was in people, not necessarily in computer stuff. Is fine. It's easy. I still love to do it. It's it's a great. Sometimes it's getting in there and tinkering with things. It's, building things or whatever it's fun but it's yeah but my passion was 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 with with people and and to begin to realize along the way that not everyone shared some of the experiences I had that I even though I was white and was certainly immersed in a lot of the dominant culture I also had experiences that yeah pushed me against current in different ways and you know, I still had a lot of learning to do. It's still naive in so many ways. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then I ended up uh, doing a, 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 when I finished college, I did an internship here at National City Christian Church in Washington, D.C. Um, and worked at the food bank in D.C. And Did you come to the regional office and kind of help with some of the computer stuff that was happening? Probably, there? probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, in fact, got a job for the regional office doing some things. But yeah, but I met my wife in seminary, stayed in D.C. for seminary. And, and, and I do think some of those experiences, not that it's been perfect. My, my wife is from South Korea, and so she was an international student. Um, and and uh, but but some of those even those experiences that I've had and, and that opening and being being encouraged to push against the yeah. the current yeah. have made our relationship better. Certainly, still challenges. It's still hard work. Oh, your marriage is hard work. Marriage. That's hard a whole work. nother counseling session. That's a whole we'll nother. do. We'll do that. Uh, yeah. 
uh, what part part five? Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, so your 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 children uh, biracial. Mm-hmm. In in black culture, we talk. You know, I always get asked the question: Do do you know? Do you have the talk mm-hmm. with your kids? You know, if they should ever encounter the police, was that? something for for you that you needed to do with your kids as well yes um although it's you know i acknowledge it's probably different we probably don't have the same talk and and but when when my kids were born um was that you know i remember my dad having that talk with me but it was it was not at all completely different right? completely different i mean it was certainly be respectful you know, this is what I expect from you in an encounter with you know someone like that, but um, but it was but there was n- the police were here to help us even if the yeah. police were an a- were, were a jerk. Uh, yeah. He he just spoke truth there, folks. We call that speaking truth <laughs> yeah. to power. Um, but uh, yeah, even if uh, the the police officers being a, a jerk, and we certainly experienced that as skateboarders growing up, kids they would get harassed, but. Yeah, like, but there was a sense that they were here to help us, and that that we should do what they say, and that they had our interests and in, in heart. But yeah, no, I've had to have those conversations with my kids uh, to acknowledge um, that their experiences are probably going to be different than mine. They may be the same. They we'll see, but but yeah. there is a strong chance that they're. Um, it's going to be different, and so they need to be smart and thoughtful and and be prepared as best it can be. So it's an ongoing conversation too. And it's even been with school. Um, my kids were, my son was, call, was called Chinese by another student. And, uh, and in maybe in second grade or something like that, we still think about whether we handled that right and whether we should have pushed and made a bigger deal about it we handled it a little more quietly and it and he and that kid or my son and that kid are friends now yeah but um something we still think my wife and i were just talking about the other day of like maybe we should have pushed the school system we should have you know uh if something happened on the playground and you kind of go and where did your wife grow up in south korea yeah but they called him chinese, chinese. yeah yeah, yeah. And he was not happy, uh, and <laughs> he said, "You have." He could have got mad with him just for yeah. not having having the the right uh, continent there. Yeah, right. And uh, um, and he was mad. He came home that day. He was not in a good mood, and he told us he was mad. He was upset. So we were able to talk with him about that and what he. Good for him. And I, I told him, you know. Uh, you had, he said the moment he just he blew it off. He he just said no and went off and played with somebody or kid. You know, which is which is one way of handling. It. But we still think, you know, did we? Uh, you know, sometimes when you're you're in a school system, you you have to think a decision of like, and I know it's what my wife was thinking of. How much noise do we make? You know, yeah. right. Yeah. When do we push and when do we just let it slide? Let kids yeah. kids do stupid stuff. I get it. Yeah. But there are learning moments too that we should take. And how does how do you think how do you think white culture 
says that you were supposed to handle that situation? Or do you think there's a difference in terms of I, I do think so, because I think it was my tendency in the moment was to say, hey, let's let's pay attention. If it happens again, let's do something. But hey, it's just kids being kids. Let's let, blow it off. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my wife was more concerned with if we make a fuss, how will it impact other relationships, which in mm-hmm. more Asian cultures, sometimes that is a dominant thing to very much pay attention mm-hmm. to the web of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but she was also, uh, um, she, yeah, she was also clear that her instinct was to fight. Her instinct mm-hmm. was to, to, mm-hmm. to call the parents and to, to give them the, the trail. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think because, yeah. uh, for, 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 for me and it was, it was, it was painful to say to my my kids, you're different. Mm-hmm. When the police stop you, because it's gonna happen. Uh, you know, as long as you're uh, living in America and yeah. living in America as as a black person, it, it's it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you know. Um, uh, Think of it as that that the police are 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 to be there uh, to to serve and to protect. Even if we pretty much have this sense that that's not always the way when it comes to comes right. to us. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. So then the next thing is, what's your response going to be? What's your behavior going to be? So you're gonna be as respectful as possible in spite that that same sense of respect is not gonna be given to you. Because what the goal is, is for for you to get out of that situation alive. Mm -hmm. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, Not that they, whether or not they're gonna give you a ticket, not whether they're gonna wanna take you to jail uh, but that you come out of that alive. Mm, mm, mm. But the thing that then hurt even more was when my daughter said, and at the time, uh, I think she was she was fourteen or fifteen, and she said, "Well, Dad, what about the black people where it didn't even matter?" Mm. Mm. It didn't matter how respectful they were. Mm. They were killed anyway. Mm. You know, so... I, 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 yeah. Think about that, the the soldier in Virginia. Yeah. And, and uh, thank God he wasn't yeah. uh, hurt uh, or killed, but... Uh, yeah, like yeah. he was a very de- a decorated officer in, in, his, the, in the in the in the United in States military. Yeah, and and he wasn't rude. He wasn't his his arms were raised, and it still didn't matter. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Yeah. I, and and so for me, 
I, 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 I didn't go as deeply with uh, my 15-year-old, but it, it, it hit me again. This is an evidentiary of how even at 15 or 14, that this misshaping is is mm. is occurring. Mm. That no matter how good she is, or maybe not no matter how bad she is, she still is not gonna be seen as somebody whose life has value. Mm. And so the work becomes even harder to say, in spite of all of these microaggressions, uh, the, the, the blatant uh, 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 experiences of, of racism, that she still has a responsibility to herself mm. to pursue what it is that she dreams and perceives to be the best about who she can be. So when we when we talk about the damage of white superiority, it's more than what it does to people of color. It's what it does to America the beautiful. Yeah. yeah. What it does to the church, the church that's still segregated on Sundays. Um, at, you know, my going back to my story, my home church. Um, it's the lament for all the relationships and possibilities um, that could be present. Well, the church that just dared to risk to create relationships and to be. And not in, in that word serve can even reinforce this racial superiority. I mean, that's the story of, mm -hmm. of especially of, oh, we're going to go and missionize yeah. Native American people and we're going to civilize them. That's a dominant. That's one of those stories that's embedded. But to share in each other's gifts and to share in each other's leadership abilities and resources and wisdom and perspective. Um, imagine what would be possible if we didn't wall ourselves off and for white folks that always i think it, that comes from that superiority thing that like the way we do church is right yeah and white is right white, white is right and you know even when marcus and i have known each other's years there's been times where i, I remember painful he's corrected me and i realized oh, okay you know like the assumptions that i make very subtly that we churches we pastors make about our other ministries. Like one time I said, oh, we'd love to have your gospel choir come over. And it's the assumption that, you know, that his church, because it's a black church, they have a gospel choir. Yeah. Or it's not, the, theirs may be called the chancel choir. Maybe, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, like the, the little assumptions that we tend to make that we know each other's stories and we place each other in these boxes. And so, oh, so you people obviously need to do church our way, you know, or or it's not going to work because y'all do y'all 
do backflips on the stage. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't do that here or yeah. whatever, you know, like all of those and all of that creates which which yeah. which which in the in the disciples history mm-hmm. uh, for Nathan and I uh, I always love to tell the story that what disciples need most in the year 2021 is more bourbon <laughs> now for those who are not familiar with this story the revivals of the disciples churches during uh, the Second Awakening period were the revivals that took place in Bourbon, Kentucky. And so there are the stories that there were, after those, those amazing preaching uh, events, that there were actually folks who barked mm-hmm. uh, at those great camp meetings. And so uh, talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know. yeah. So Nathan uh, has uh, another appointment, and we've we've got to let him uh, say goodbye. Uh, but one more question okay. uh, that that I'd like to have Nathan respond to, and uh, and that would be um, how has your approach in addressing the issues regarding race and racism progressed the dreams that you set for yourself? as well as for those you love? Mm. Oh, that's such a rich question. Um, well, um, I think uh, what, you know, I've uh, some of the times I've done trainings and I've gotten feedback from others, what people have affirmed me in saying is that I bring a very pastoral approach. And, and you and, do. Thank you. And, and sometimes I bristle at that because I, I want to be a, prophetic approach but I but I also understand I you know I'm a middle child and uh, so am I yeah so you know there's a lot about me that I like to, I like for people to be okay and to keep the peace a little bit sort of like keep folks together yeah because we were do we've been doing it all our, lives. Doing all our lives and you know I want people to feel okay and feel loved and all that stuff affirm but yet um, I, I think one of the things that I have had to do as I've done it for me, that comes out in a training is I like to tell stories. I like, I like to, to interrogate my own life because I want that to invite people to ask questions about their family and their stories and, and, and find the places where the history doesn't become, again, something that's just out there um, that we talk about from a distance, but that we see, oh, so, you know, so like I know in my family history, I, one of my branch with the swans, they, they took land they went and got some land in South Central Kansas. I think we still have some farmland way out there in the extended family. Um, but that land, where did it come from? And it came from taking from from Native American communities that were there and that claimed the land had, had trees. It was taken back from the government and divvied up into parcels. And it was an example of white privilege of, of this system working for white folks because maybe they just paid a buck for it. Yeah. for a big plot of land to farm, you know? Yeah. So it was a huge gift for this poor family coming from Europe. And so I understand that, but sort of, how do I tell those stories? How do I, what does that story mean and to tell the truth? Um, but, so, so that's part of it, I, I think, is trying to interrogate myself, my own stories, so I can see where those connections line up. But some of it has been to, in that process of looking at my own stories, is to confront all the ways that no, I have been misshaped, and that prevent me from being in relationship with, with people of color and, and 
prevent, to, to peel back the, the blinders on my eyes or help me see in color uh, in ways. I, I love that image that we used in the last session. Yeah. And particularly this past couple of years, I've been on a mental health journey that I've had, I've confronted some things in me that I know I could work on better and I could do better as a leader, as a pastor, things that in, in the church um, where I haven't been maybe, um, you know, as attentive, as present with people as I could have been and, and realizing that there's some of that stuff um, is deep, it, it's deep within and it's learning to do things like receiving the truth and uh, yeah, re receiving the truth and, and facing the truth and being honest about myself and my limitations. Um, one of the messages of white superiority is perfectionism. And I, I just can't do that anymore. I, I'm not going to be perfect. There you go. I'm not. There you go. And, and, and I think, Nathan, you know, the, the appreciation for your honesty, mm -hmm. your deep honesty. Mm -hmm. But it, it also reminds me of, again, the story that our country is wrestling with. Uh, was it Nicole Hannah uh, Jones? Jones? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the rejection of the 1619 Project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because of those who don't want to do the hard work yeah. that you've committed to doing. Mm -hmm. That none of us are perfect. That none of us, I don't believe, really want the, 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 the truest autobiography of ourselves mm -hmm. made public. Um, but that's what that 1619 project is. It's a more honest autobiography of United States history. Mm -hmm. But the Bible that you and I work with every day, single day of our lives, it says, ye shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so I can honestly say that Nathan and your work, you've been helping to set some people free. Oh, thank you, thank you. So now we've got to set Nathan free. All right, thank you so much. And so I'm gonna do this because we have been fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna say, we're gonna do this again, not for you all, but we're going to be getting together more mm -hmm. because this is something that uh, that we've done and hopefully we'll continue doing. Great. It was great to be with you all. I hope your reflection together is fruitful and rich and full of depth.